Shalom, and welcome to Via Havta Yisrael, a Hebrew phrase which means you shall love Israel. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as our teacher, Dr. Baruch, shares his expository teaching from the Bible. Dr. Baruch is the senior lecturer at the Zera Avraham Institute based in Israel. Although all courses are taught in Hebrew at the Institute, Dr. Baruch is pleased to share this weekly address in English. To find out more about our work in Israel, please visit us on the web at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson. We come across the concept of baptism primarily in the New Testament. And many people wrongly think that it was John the Baptist that kind of invented it. But this was not the case. When we look at the biblical backgrounds, that is the history of Judaism, and I'm speaking about biblical Judaism, what's recorded in the Old Testament, we find that there are hints to things that were done by the priests and the Levites prior to serving God. And what was that? They would wash themselves. And that washing was indeed a baptism. See, we know as believers that baptism pictures the death, burial, and resurrection of Messiah. That is true. But baptism was also something that was done by priests and Levites and others in order to be used by God. It involved a change of status from that which was common or normal, we might use that word, from that which is set apart for a holy purpose. And here's the news for us. If you are a believer in Messiah Yeshua, you have been set apart for a holy purpose. And that holy purpose is to serve God according to his will. And with this salvation experience through faith in that gospel, God supplies us with everything that we need to serve him. In other words, we have a great potential for obeying God and carrying out his will for our life. The question that you and I have to answer is this. Are we interested in doing that? Do we really want to be a faithful servant? Do we want to walk in truth rather than to live in sin? Well, with that said, take out your Bible and look with me to the book of Romans and chapter 6. The book of Romans and chapter 6. Now, here, the main thing that Paul is speaking about is indeed baptism. But we're seeing that baptism unites us in a unique way through our faith with the person and the work of Messiah. And that we should live uniquely, differently than the rest of the world. That is, that we should live no longer according to ourselves, but according to the purposes of God. Notice what he says here, Romans chapter 6, beginning in verse 1, he says, Therefore, what shall we say? Should we continue in sin in order that grace should abound? Now, obviously, we're going to see the answer is a very strong one. Many Bibles will say, God forbid, but literally, 
It's a term that is derived from a Hebrew expression, which means, let it never be. Such a thought that we would continue in sin. Now, literally, it doesn't say in sin, but if you look at the case, it would be by sin. We should not do anything motivated by sin or having any connection to sin. And we're going to see that taught to us in a very powerful way by Paul in this scripture. So once again, what shall we say? Should we continue by sin, meaning by its motivation, by its desires, in order that grace should abound? May it never be. We have died to sin. Therefore, he asks, how can we still live in it? So if we've died to sin, how should we still live in regard to it? And the answer is an absolutely an emphatic no. We should not be any longer connected to anything having to do with sin. We're called to live differently. Now, he's not speaking here to non-believers. The message of this chapter, chapter 6, is not how one experiences salvation. He's talking to people who have accepted Messiah, put their faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Yeshua, that is, Jesus Christ. They have faith. Now we're talking about how then we should live. It's behavior. And this is very important that we behave in a proper way. One that bears witness to our faith and the fact that he is not just our Savior, but he is our Lord. So we read, keep looking again at verse 2. He says, after pronouncing, never let it be. He says, we who have died to sin, how still? shall we live in it, and we ought not. Therefore, he says, verse 3, Or do you not know that we have been baptized into Messiah Yeshua? Now, he's going to deal with baptism in, in several different aspects of it. First of all, one aspect that deals with, with baptism is death. Think of this. One stands in water and he's pronouncing, I am dead because of sin. What do you do with dead people? Bury them. So that's why he writes here in verse 3 of the text. Or do you not know that you were baptized into, into Messiah Yeshua? Specifically, into his death, we have been baptized. Now, he died and his death, as all death is, is connected to sin. Not his sin, but your sins and my sins. We've mentioned before in this study of Romans, when Messiah was, was on that cross, and we saw that also in the book of, of Matthew in that study, that, that the scripture says that he became sin for us. Who did? He who knew not sin. Yeshua never sinned, but your sins, all of them. My sins, all of them. Not just ones in the past, but all the sins that we will ever commit. 
the sins of the world were laid upon him. And therefore, because he who was perfect, who never sinned, but the scripture says, he became sin for us. And because of that, he died. And we, having been baptized by faith into Messiah, we also die. Why? Notice what it says. We read, into Messiah, we have been baptized, specifically, into his death, we have been baptized. And therefore, not only that, look now to verse 4, therefore, having been buried with him through baptism into death. So death, you bury someone. And we too, we have been buried. Now, what is that all looking forward to? What is it hinting to? Well, another aspect concerning baptism, and that is resurrection. Baptism just doesn't focus on death. What do you do with dead? You bury them. But, but primarily, the glorious aspect of baptism is the resurrection coming out of that water that signifies life, but not just any life, as we're going to see another wonderful aspect of baptism, not just life, but a new life, that is a different life, meaning you and I are called to live differently. So press on to the second part of verse 4. It says, through baptism into his death, but then it says, in order, at, in order that just as, and this is the good part, just as Messiah was raised from the dead. And why do I say this is the good part, the glorious part? Just keep reading. In order that just as Messiah was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father. That is this. We see that Messiah humbled himself even to death, death on a cross. And therefore, he who died, died innocently, but our sins were placed upon him. He died in our behalf. But the glory is, this one did not remain dead, meaning sin did not have victory. There was no sting of death ultimately because we know that on that third day, he was raised. Now, did he rise from the dead? Yes, he did. But the emphasis several times here in this sixth chapter is going to be on the fact that when it says he was raised, it's in the passive, meaning that Messiah, he totally surrendered to his father's purpose. He died. He had the power to, to raise himself up, but he did not. He was raised from the dead. By whom? We read, by the glory of the father. Thus also we, and here's another great part, another aspect of baptism. It's just not that we are, are dead, buried, and, and raised, but that resurrection has implication. That resurrection produces something in our life. And what is that? He says, end of, of verse 4, Thus also we, who's we? Fellow believers, all believers, Thus also we in the newness of life, and here's a very Jewish expression, that we should walk. Now, walking 
is a term, we use that term in Judaism to speak of lifestyle and also the same term for walking, there's a change in the vowel pointing, but the same term for walking is used for Jewish law. We have the term walking, halicha, and the word halacha, which is Jewish law. So we're supposed to live, we're supposed to have a lifestyle that reflects the law, the righteousness of the law, the instructions that we have a testimony that demonstrates God's will. And I hope you see that there is an inherent relationship between the commandments of God and the will of God. Look now to, to verse 5. For, and I know most English Bibles will say if, but this word if can also be understood as since. So it's not raising a question, it's making an affirmation. We learn something from what's being said here. I would translate it this way. For since having been united with, that means united with him in the likeness of his death, but also, that's literally what it says, but also we will be the resurrection. Now, the language here is choppy and maybe a little bit different that, that in your English translation, it smooths it out and makes it more understandable, but it simply says this. In the same way that, that we died with him, we should also expect, we have, it is unto us, resurrection. Now, as I've said many times, whenever that word resurrection appears in the Bible, something should come into our mind. And remember that. Any time that the scripture hints to, points to, or names specifically the term resurrection, what should come into our mind is kingdom. So we are called not just to live, but we walk in the newness of life, and that newness of life reflects the kingdom of God, resurrection and kingdom. So he says, for since we have been united with, meaning with him, in the likeness of his death, but also, or even also, the resurrection we have. Verse, verse 6. This knowing that the, our old man, I want to read that correctly, this knowing that our old man has been crucified. Now, what's that old man? That is that old carnal nature. That one who ruled over it. In Judaism, we talk about the Yetzer Hara, which is that evil inclination. It's also spoken about the Nefesh Behemit, which is that, that animalistic instinct. We do what we feel we want. That's not pleasing to God. That's not how a child of God lives. So that is our past. That old man, we read, because our old man has been crucified with, meaning with him, in order that the body of sin, that's the flesh, that body of sin should be, and there's a very important word. Now, I've mentioned this in other teachings, this word, kat argeo. And if you're looking for a good PhD dissertation to write, you could do it on this word and how 
its use in the New Covenant, that is the New Testament. But it doesn't mean, as many say, removed. Why is that? Let me ask you, do you still struggle with sin? We all do. As long as we are in this body, we will struggle with sin. But we have the great potential to live obediently, to live and walk and have our being in light of the power, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, that body of sin has been annulled, meaning it doesn't have to have authority over us. It's been rendered powerless. It has been defeated, but if we do not walk in faith, if we do not utilize the truth, if we do not submit to the leadership of the Holy Spirit, there's going to be, unfortunately, the, the evidence of that old man still hanging around. He's been crucified dead, but we can so-called resurrect him at times in our life, those times of disobedience. So once again, second part of verse 6, because that old man, our old man, has been crucified with, meaning with Messiah, in order that the body of sin has been annulled, it's been rendered powerless, ineffective, that, that sin should no longer rule, and the implication here is that we should no longer serve sin. So this body of sin has been rendered null and void in order that no longer that we should serve sin. Now verse 7. For the one who has died, and notice most Bibles say has been set free. But if you check out this word, it's not the word for being set free. It's that word for having been justified. So look at what the scripture says. For the one who has died, that means that we have united with Messiah's death. We have received his death as payment for our sin. So because of that, the one who has died, what is he now? He has been justified, meaning he has been justified, made righteous. And the point here is from sin. No longer does sin, and we'll see this in a moment, no longer does sin have authority anymore over us. Now, can we submit to sin? Unfortunately, we do at times, but we don't have to. It is a choice. It is a wrong choice. It shows weakness and disobedience, but nevertheless, what it says here is that because of our being united with the death of Messiah, accepting his death as payment for our sin, we have, and yes, you can understand this as being set free from sin, but it literally doesn't say set free. If you check out this word, it's a word for being justified from sin. Sin no longer has any authority or any power to condemn us. Now, what's so good about that? Well, there's an enemy, Satan. One of the ways that he's spoken of in the scripture is the accuser. And because we accept the death of Messiah, that makes it impossible. You need to hear that. It makes it impossible for Satan to accuse us of any sin. All of that has been done away with by what? The power of the cross. Because of the work of Messiah. We saw that, that it's done once and for all, never needs 
to be maintained, never needs to be done anything to because it was done perfectly. So the one who has died has been justified, made righteous, and it means apart from sin, verse 8. But if we have died with Messiah, and this again, we could say since we have died with Messiah, we believe that also we shall live with him. What does that mean? That we are going to find our life. Now, we're not speaking about eternal life, although we find eternal life with him, obviously. But here it's talking about behavior. It's talking about that lifestyle, how we behave, how we live in this world. And what it says here, we believe now that we are going to live with him, meaning we're going to walk with him. His life is going to become our life. We're going to want to do his will. His ministry is now going to be lived out through our lives. That's what he's speaking about in this passage of Scripture, verse 9. Knowing that Messiah, he was raised from the dead again, passive. He was raised from the dead. And he no longer dies. So nothing, Messiah, when he rose from that dead, and remember, we share in that resurrection experience. In the same way that Messiah didn't die, he will never die. He rose from that one-time death, never to die again. And we have that same expectation spiritually. Our bodies may die, but we will never die, meaning we will never be separated from the love of God. We will never be separated from his kingdom. We have that perfect kingdom hope. So look again, verse, verse 9. Knowing that Messiah, he was raised from the dead and no longer dies, verse 10. Death no longer rules or has dominion. Literally, it's a word for Lord. Death no longer has dominion, rules over, or has lordship over him. Now, in the same way that death doesn't have power over him, that resurrection shows that he defeated death. Now, we who we believe that we have been united with him in the likeness of, of death through his death, we also believe that we are together with him through his resurrection. So, so sin and death does not lord over us, does not have dominion, authority over us any longer. Verse, verse 10. For who has died? Now, the one we're still speaking about is Messiah. For the one who has died, he has died to sin once and for all, meaning it doesn't have to be repeated, that cross. It was done perfectly and eternally. This word, once and for all, so important. Once more, verse 10. For whom has died to, to sin? He's died to sin once and for all. But the one who lives, speaking about Messiah still, he lives unto God, or we could say he lives for God. Now, again, this whole thing of baptism has to do with being united with. All the things that he experienced, we by faith, when we enter into that new covenant, when we say yes to the gospel, his experience 
becomes our experience. That's why we can have wonderful assurance. How can I be so sure that God's going to see me as his righteous son and embrace me into his kingdom? Because the righteousness of his only begotten son has been placed upon me. And praise God that he has taken and placed upon his son, and that's why he died upon that cross, all of my sin, all of my iniquity, all of my transgressions. So they departed from me on him. That's why he died upon the cross. And his righteousness is given to me once and for all. That means eternity. It cannot be changed. I am by grace, by what he's done for me. There's no, nothing that I've done to earn it. It's not who I am. It's simply because I have said yes to, to God's gift of eternal life, of salvation. Therefore, I can be assured, and I am, that he is going to welcome me into his kingdom. And this is what this is speaking about, that we should live. And the life that we live, we live unto God. Verse, verse 11, our last verse. So that also you, just like we saw in Messiah, that he died once and for all, death never to have any dominion over him, that he lives and he lives for God. Same thing for us. Verse 11. Thus also you consider yourself, reckon yourself, understand this in other words, think this way. Thus also you reckon yourselves dead, to be dead to sin, but alive, living unto God. And how do I do that? How do I live unto God? What well, tells us in Messiah Yeshua. That's what it all comes down to, being in him. And as we've discussed before, that phrase, whenever it speaks about in him, in Messiah, is making reference to being in a new covenant relationship with him. And when we do, all of these benefits, death, I'm united with him in death. What does that mean? He took the punishment for me. But I'm considered to be a recipient through his death of the punishment of the Torah, death. He died on the cross, I'm united with that. Therefore, I can no longer be punished again. Messiah took it and I share in that. And with his resurrection, I have that kingdom hope. So we read here, last verse. Thus also you reckon yourselves dead unto sin, but alive, living for God in Messiah Yeshua. And understand the identity of Messiah, it says, our Lord. So let me ask you, does your life really reflect that he is the Lord of it? See, do not think that God's going to be pleased. We're not talking about salvation. We're talking about pleasing God. Are you recognizing not just that he saved you, but also that he is the Lord of your life and that everything you do needs to be brought under his authority, doing all for his glory. That is how a true believer lives. That's our mindset. And my hope and my prayer and my desire is that is exactly how you think each and every day. Well, I'll close with that. Shalom from Israel.
Well, we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others. Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, loveisrael.org. There you will find articles and numerous other lectures by Baruch. These teachings are in video form. You may download them or watch them in streaming video. Until next week, may the Lord bless you in our Messiah Yeshua, that is, Jesus, as you walk with Him. Shalom from Israel.